Turn with me, please, in the scriptures to the book of James. James, the fourth chapter and the sixth verse. It says, but he, God, gives more grace. Not only does he give grace, he does what? He gives more grace. So you can have grace, and then you can have more than you had. And then you can have even more than that. Do you desire more grace? Oh, you should. You should. When you find out what it is, you'll say, yes, please. More. And much more. What is grace? Grace is one of the biggest words in the New Testament. It's one of the biggest words in the Bible. You can't describe grace in one phrase. You'll hear people say, well, it's unmerited favor. It is that, but it's so much more. The grace of God includes the power of God, the ability of God, the opportunities God gives. Uh, The list goes on and on and on and on. But it's basically everything and anything God can and will give you. It's a gift. It's something that God gives you. And uh, you and I are completely dependent upon His grace. Did you know that? It's not by works. It's not by our intense effort. Anything that you've been able to accomplish that was worth anything, it was by the grace of God. No, And if you don't know that, then you need a revelation. Uh, it's easy to think, well, uh, you know, I can do that. Yeah, I'm good at that. I've always been able to do that. Well, maybe so, but why? Why have you been able to do that? Why have you been good at that? Why do you find easy some things that other people find challenging? And then turn it around, uh, some things they find easy, you find difficult. It's because of difference of grace. Different graces. Some graces you're born with. Some people use God-given graces and talents to seek fame and money with. You can actually abuse the grace of God. You can prostitute it. Are y'all with me, saints? Other graces are added to you when you're born again. Other graces are added to you if you walk with God faithfully. He just keeps adding more to you and more to you. With enough grace, you can do anything. With enough grace, you can receive any miracle. With enough grace, you can overcome any challenge. The things that you may have been struggling with and and falling and failing in, with enough grace, you can overcome that and resist that and not fall again in that area. Do you believe this, saints? Things that have been out of your reach, things that you struggled and tried to get year after year, but you just couldn't get there. With enough grace, you can get there and stay there. Live there. But notice the next phrase. God gives more grace. He gives grace in greater degree, degrees. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Who gets the grace? The humble. The The proud don't get the grace. In fact, they get resisted. Not only are you not getting help, you're getting resisted. Pride's one of the worst things that could happen to you. 
Did you know that? It's the nature of the devil. It's absolutely evil. Now, in modern society, things have been twisted in people's mind. And people think, well, you know, you need a little pride. <laughs> I don't have much, but I got my pride. <laughs> and I'm proud of this, and I'm proud of that. And people think that's all right, and that's good. It's not. You can be thankful for something. You can be pleased about something, but you ought not be proud. Don't take my word for it. Study this. Put your nose in this book. (laughs) Study it out. Find out about it. Pride is the nature of the evil one. And God hates it. I'm quoting scripture. He hates it. And whatever he hates, you ought to hate. And one of the big reasons you ought to hate it is because it will keep you from getting help when you need it. It will keep you from getting help. All you have to do is check with yourself. If somebody comes to you all haughty and all pushy and all demanding, does it make you want to do things for them? It does not. (laughs) Right? It makes you want to resist them. But if somebody comes across to you like you don't owe them anything, they haven't deserved or merited anything, humility, honesty, It causes your heart to lean towards them, to want to do something for them. You know why you're that way? You're made in the image of God. He's that way. He's that way. You get attitude and you get up in God's face and you're not going to get any help at all. In fact, you're going to get resisted. But if you'll humble yourself, I said if you'll humble yourself, what will happen? God gives grace, divine help of all kinds to the humble. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up. God's not opposed to you being lifted up. He's opposed to you and I doing it. He that exalts himself, Jesus said, will be abased. He that humbles himself shall be exalted or lifted up. God's not opposed to you and I being promoted, being lifted up, but he is opposed to you and I exalting ourselves. Now in Matthew 11, Matthew 11, 29, Jesus said, I'm reading the NIV, Matthew 11, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. Do you want to be like Jesus? You want to be like the Master? How was He? How is He? Of all the things He could have said, He could have said, I'm holy. He could have said, learn of me, I'm righteous. He could have said, learn of me, I'm powerful. He could have said all kinds of things. But the thing He emphasized when He said, learn about me, is what? I'm meek. I'm humble. Humble. Now, in a lot of people's minds, when they hear the word meek and humble, they think weak and passive. But nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing weak about Jesus. He's my hero. How about you? When you begin to see what kind of strength and what kind of love it took to do what he did, it's amazing. It is amazing. 
Weakness has got nothing to do with it. It's much easier to be proud than it is to be humble. So many times when people are so haughty and pushy, it's because they're covering huge insecurities. They're so weak and so fearful inside. They're trying to, they don't want you to see it and know it. So they're, they're overcompensating and become pushy and hard and mean. It takes strength when you're wrong to smile and go, you're right. I'm wrong. Sorry. Period. <laughs> well, maybe we'll talk about this later, but let me give you something uh, that we hadn't got to yet. Don't ruin a good apology with an excuse. <laughs> Anybody know what I mean by that? People say, well, well, if I did something wrong, I'm sorry, okay, I guess, but the thing was, you're not apologizing. You're not humbling yourself. You're still being defensive, still being argumentative, still being proud. And you won't get help. You won't get grace. Let's everybody practice this. <laughs> I was wrong. I'm sorry. Period. Period means stop sign. That's no further explanation. No more questions. Let's do it again. <laughs> I was wrong. I'm sorry. Period. <laughs> we talked about Moses. And that the Bible said in Numbers 12, 3. Now the man Moses was meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. The NIV says he was very a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Moses was the most humble man on the earth in his generation. I know as a boy reading this passage, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside he came to my mind from my heart. He said, uh, did you notice Moses was the meekest man in his generation? I thought, I, yeah, I hadn't seen that. He said, did you also realize he's the most used man of me in his generation? Could you say he was the most graced man in his generation? Graced with the presence of God. Graced with light. Graced with truth. Graced with power. Graced with opportunity. Is it a coincidence that the most humble is the most graced. No. That's how it is. One thing you'll notice about Moses. And you'll find this phrase. I think I could say safely scores of times. It said as the Lord commanded Moses. So did Moses. You remember all the instructions about the tabernacle and the priesthood and, and the offerings. And you'll find it over and over and over again. It'll say, and as the Lord commanded Moses, then what happened? So did Moses. And Moses did according to all the Lord commanded him. And the Lord commanded Moses and Moses did. And the Lord commanded Moses and Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And as the Lord commanded him, so did Moses. You'll find the same thing said about Abraham. You'll find the same thing said about Noah. You'll find the same thing said about some of the other patriarchs. The Lord told them, 
And they did it. One of the big indications of humility or lack thereof is a person's ability and willingness to follow instructions. To do what you're told. Sounds like a simple concept. (laughs) Oh, but when uh, flesh and pride and rebellion and fear come in, it's not so simple. Said out loud, doing what you're told. <laughs> pleases God. <laughs> Such a simple concept. Moses did it. Abraham did it. Noah did it. Jesus is the greatest example of all. He said, I do always those things that please the Father. Every day of his life. He did exactly. He said, I just say what I hear the Father say. I'm just doing what I see him do. How many believe that when you saw Jesus doing something, you are seeing the will of God in action. You are hearing the will of God come from his lips. Right? He's doing what he was told. The scripture says in Deuteronomy 4, 2, it says, you shall not add to the word I command you. Don't diminish from it. Deuteronomy 12, 32, what thing ever, soever I command you, observe to do it, you shall not add thereto, nor diminish from it. This is not just an Old Testament concept. 1 Corinthians 4, put this on the screen for us, 4, 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. It is required in a steward. A steward is somebody responsible for something that belongs to someone else. It's required in a steward that a man be found what? Faithful. Faithful. Listen to the living Bible of this second verse. The living Bible says it like this. Now the most important thing about a servant is that he does what? Just what his master tells him to do. The living Bible uses this instead of the phrase faithful. Because it is a huge part of being faithful. If you're talking about a piece of art, if you're talking about a sculpture or something, and you say it is a faithful reproduction, what does that mean? It's just like the pattern. It's true to the original. It didn't vary. It didn't change. And I know it sounds simple, but doing what you're told is one of the biggest factors in whether you're faithful or whether you're unfaithful, or whether you're humble or proud, or whether you're faithful or unbelieving. So simple, and yet so important. How are you at doing what you're told? Silence in the room. (laughs) Well, no matter how we've been, do you believe we could be better? We could be what we need to be in this area? The devil is not good at doing what he's told. That's his problem from the beginning. He tried to take something that was not given him. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. He's trying to exalt himself. He doesn't care that it doesn't belong to him. He doesn't care that that he's passed no tests. He's not proven faithful to have any of these things given to him from God. 
He doesn't care. He just wants it. And is trying to take it. Against God's will. Didn't work. Never works. When it comes to God. In order to be promoted of God and blessed of God, we have to pass tests. Do you believe it, saints? Passing tests doesn't have to be a thing that you're afraid of. A test is an opportunity. I said a test is an opportunity. Anybody in your profession or in your area that you're able to do things now or you have certification or you have opportunity but one of the reasons you have it is because you pass tests you pass this test or that maybe it was part of your education maybe it was part of your apprenticeship or your training or you got to a level where you could do it this good or on this level well let me ask you this if a doctor is going to perform some kind of procedure on you Do you want him to have passed some tests before he works on you? Or if you just say, oh, we don't care about tests. We don't care. He looks like a good guy. (laughs) Your pilot that flies you around in the plane. Would you like to know he's passed some tests that qualifies him to do what he's doing? Or you just want some guy to show up and go, I've always wanted to drive one of these. Where's the manual? (laughs) In order for something to be utilized at all or utilized in a bigger, greater way, it must pass tests. You and I are no exception. In the plan of God, in the things of God, to be used of Him and to be used greater of Him, we must pass tests. When it says Moses was humble, it's telling you he passed tests. Adam and Eve failed their first big test, didn't they? Can we simplify it? What didn't they do? They didn't do what they were told, right? Why? Why didn't they do what they were told? Why? You can say all kind of reasons, but it comes down to why didn't you just do what you were told? (laughs) And therein lies the problem. So many folks think they are the exception. Or they have the exception. Isn't that how the devil came? The Lord told him, don't eat of the fruit of that tree or you'll die. How does the enemy do? He comes in and says, no, it's not that simple. You won't really die, die. The thing is, when you eat this, you are going to see things you have never seen before. I mean, your mind and spirit's going to open up. You're going to be gods. God had already made them in his class of being. And anything the devil's talking about showing them, you don't want to know what it feels like to hurt every day. You don't want to know what it feels like to die. You don't want to know what grief and agony and shame feels like. Yeah. Pursuit of knowledge for the sake of knowledge is a fool's errand. Yeah. There's a whole lot of knowledge on this earth you're better off without. 
How many of you wish there were a lot of things you'd have never seen? You'd have never heard? You'd have never known? You'd be better off. We're to be wise concerning good, but concerning evil, we're supposed to be simpletons. We don't know about that. And don't want to know. Right? The Bible says the things that people do in evil and secret, we're not even supposed to talk about it. Ephesians says that. We're not even supposed to talk about it. So, the devil says, no, no, see, you'll be like gods. And, and so it's not as simple as just do what you were told anymore. It's like, well, I hadn't thought about that. And when you take this into consideration, and when you think about this, and the woman said, man, that looks good. And how can anything look so good, feel so good, be bad? Reasoning. What's it all designed to do? To get you away from do what you were told. (laughs) It's to remove you and I from the simplicity that is in Christ. Faith is a tenacity to hold on to the simplicity of truth. By his stripes, I was healed. Yeah, but this, and yeah, but that, and this test, and that test, and how you feel. Like I said, by his stripes, I was healed. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. All of it's designed to get you away from that simplicity. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. He supplies all my needs. Yeah, but the economy. Yeah, but your job. Yeah, but this. Yeah, but all of it's designed to get you to questioning and making exceptions and making this. Faith is very, very simple. Unless you become converted and become like a little child, you won't see miracles. Because you'll always be too smart for them. You always know it's more complex than that. It's complicated. I'm a complicated individual. And it's a complex situation. (laughs) No, you're just full of unbelief. It ain't complicated. He told you to do something. You going to do it or not? He told you to believe it. You going to believe it or not? Well, I mean, I do. But I know a friend of mine was in seminary years ago. I was in Bible school, and he was working on his doctorate degree. So he was having some classes and some things that I wasn't having, and more educated in a lot of ways than me. And so I wanted to talk to him about some of the things he was learning. And so I said, uh, asked him about this particular thing I had been reading in the Word in Romans, and I asked him what he had heard and learned about it. And he said, well, Dr. So-and-so in his book, Such and Such, postulates such and such, such and such and such. And then he said, but also other Dr. So-and-so in his other book, such and such, postulates an alternate theory of such and such. And and then he said, but also Dr. So-and-so. He gave me about six Dr. So-and-sos with uh, their varying theories. And I said, okay. I said, what do you believe? 
He said, well, I see some merit to Dr. So-and-so's position, but I also see some merit in other doctors, but and I also see some, and they were contradictory and conflicting. And, and I thought to myself while he's talking, I hope you don't have to stand and believe for anything in this area right now, because you are not ready. You don't believe anything. You got a head full of knowledge and an empty heart. No, zero faith. When you have faith, you've made up your mind. This is right. None of the rest is. Oh, you're just narrow-minded. And saved. And healed. And my needs are met. You can be broad-minded and well-read and edumacated. And embrace all the different variances of things. And you will be defeated in life. Did you hear me? You will be broken and disappointed. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And faith is a simple, unshakable confidence in what God told you. He said this is it. And that's it. (laughs) And if you'll just take that and apply it. When it comes to his instructions. He said do this. So what's it time to do? Do that. And if and when you do. You will pass tests. And when you pass tests. God can justly now. Promote you. And add to you. Add grace to you. Opportunity. Resources. But if you keep failing tests. You just stay where you are. And you'll be frustrated. But it won't be anybody's fault but yours. Because you won't do what you're told. (laughs) And you might have thought you got away with that. With mama and your employer and your teacher. They might have let it slide. God's not. He's not going to change to adapt to you. When he tells you to do something. He actually expects you (laughs) to do it. Just like he said. No alteration, no variance. And did you know it is the key to miracles? It's so simple, a three-year-old can understand it. At the wedding feast of Canaan, the first miracle recorded in Jesus' ministry, where the water was turned into wine. That's a miracle, brother. Right? I mean, the molecular structure of something has changed in a moment. It was this. No, if God could turn water into wine, why couldn't he turn a diseased liver into a healthy one? Huh? A cancerous lung into a pink healthy lung. Why couldn't he? He can. He has. He does. But what was the key? What was the key? It came a point where Jesus' mother turned to the guys and said, whatever he says to you, do it. <laughs> and after a while he said, go fill the water pots with water. Now here's where people get in trouble. Why? <laughs> We're having a party. We don't need water. We're not out of water. We're out of wine. Guests 
are needing to be served. Things are needing to be done. The table needs to be cleared. The next entree needs to be brought out. This needs to happen. And we're supposed to go out. Now you, you couldn't just go to the sink and turn on the faucet. You had to go to the well. Draw up the water. Tote it. Fill the, These pots were big. They were what? 20, 30 gallon rigs. You're going to get hot and sweaty doing that. Drawing up all these buckets. Hauling them over there. Pouring them in there. And why? Why? Why do it? Somebody help me out. Why do it? Because he said so. And you got all kind of child rearing books now. That tell parents. Don't tell your child because I said so. You need to get down on your knees. With a three year old. And explain to them. And reason with them why you're asking them, "Uh uh-uh, honey, you're mistraining that child. Because you know what God's going to expect them to do their whole life? What he told them. Why? Because he said so. With no explanation. No understanding. How can you do what you don't understand? You do it by faith. You just trust God and you just trust him that he must have had a good reason for telling you this. And if he told you, that's all you need to know. Sit out loud, whatever he says to you. Do it. Do it. And why should you do it? Because <laughs> he said so. That should be good enough for you. Faith. And so they did. And that's and then he said, "All right, now draw it out and give it to the governor." Again, they might think, "Why? <laughs> How many can see why will get you in trouble? Why can cause you to miss God? Why can prevent you from having a miracle?" How many remember Naaman the Syrian, leprous, incurable? He hears about a man of God in the neighboring country. He goes over there to see him at great effort, at great expense, travel. Man wouldn't even come out to see him. Sends his helper. Said, well, my boss said, tell you, go dip in the river. (laughs) Say what? (laughs) Yeah, go dip in the river seven times. Seven. He said, he's not coming out? Nope. (laughs) He's not going to pray for me? Nope. He's not going to lay hands on me? Nope. He said, go dip in the river. Man, it made him mad. Boy, they burnt rubber out of the driveway. (laughs) Or the horses pawed. (laughs) And they're going down the street and Naaman's fuming. He's fuming. He said, "That's, that's ridiculous. I come all this way. Does he not know who I am? Yeah, God knew who he was, but he knew he didn't know who he was. How many know you don't come to God telling him who you are? And he said, I thought he would call on the name of his God. I thought he would strike it. He said, I thought he'd pray for me. I thought he'd lay hands on me. He didn't even come out and say hi. (laughs) Oh, he's mad. He's fuming. Why is he so mad? P-R-I-D-E. That can keep you from getting healed. Keep you from getting a miracle. His assistant, thank God for good help. They drove along. I guess it got quiet in the car. And he said, you know, sir, 
We've come all this way. We brought all this money. We brought all this clothes and all this stuff. We were ready to pay a big price and give good things. You know, why not just do what he said? We're here. River's right over there. Next exit. Uh, <laughs> silence. You know how people who think they're important a lot of times how they operate in silence. After a while he says, you know, Joe, we're here. We were ready to do all this big stuff. Why don't we just go over and, and the assistant says, excellent idea, sir. Yes, take the next exit. And he went and he dipped 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 and he he came up and that leprosy was not there anymore. His skin was clean like a little baby's skin. Why? Why? Because he did what he was told to do. He almost missed it. He almost missed his miracle. Why? Pride. Pride asking why. Pride is not good at following instructions. Always has a better way. Go with me to the book of Exodus. In Exodus, you see what I call the manna test. <laughs> the manna test. Exodus 16, the people were out in the wilderness. They're hungry. There's no grocery stores out there. It's hot, it's dry, no crops. And they're complaining against God and against Moses. Verse 3 saying they wish they'd just died in Egypt. And verse 4, notice this. Verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. Now, why is he doing this? That I may prove them. Prove them about what? Whether they'll walk in my law or no. Listen to another translation. The Living Bible says, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for them. Everyone can go out each day and gather as much as he needs. And we, we know from the rest of the chapter, he's going to give them specific instructions about how to do this. And he says, and I will test them in this to see whether they will follow my instructions or not. We have to pass tests. Now, the King James uses the word tempt, like it'll say God tempted Abraham when he asked him to give him his son, Isaac. That's really not a good word. James says God does not tempt anybody with evil. If you look it up, it's the same word translated test. There's difference between testing something and tempting somebody to do evil. Big, big difference. God doesn't tempt anybody ever to do something bad or wrong. He can't be tempted to do wrong, and he's not going to tempt you to do wrong. But he does, and he does allow things that test you and I. And we shouldn't look at it with fear. We shouldn't look at it with trepidation. It's an opportunity. Because what he expects is that you pass the test and you become approved. That he can add to you. If the Lord's going to do things for you 
and with you that he's not doing for everybody? He has to have a reason why. To be just and to be fair. And the reason being is that you passed tests they didn't pass. You obeyed when they didn't. You loved him more and his things than some others did. And if you do and you pass tests that others don't pass, God has every right, every right to bless you, to promote you, to add to you, to use you in things that not everybody has. You believe it or not. And he's perfectly righteous in doing that. Now keep reading. He said, I will test them in this to see whether, what's the test about? Whether they will follow my instructions or not. Whether they will do what they're told or not. Is that important? It must be. God doesn't do things that are trivial and unimportant. Is it still important? This is not just Old Testament. 2 Corinthians 2, 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians 2, 8 and 9. Paul said this by the Spirit of God. He said, I beseech you to confirm your love toward him, this individual in the church. To this end, I did write to you that I might know the what? Proof of you. What proof? Whether you'd be obedient in all things or not. Whether you do this thing that I'm telling you or whether you won't. Now back to Exodus. How did they do on this manna test? Anybody read the chapter? Manna test. God said, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. Actually, the Psalms calls it angel food. There really is such a thing as angel's food. Well, I reckon if it's angel's food, it's food that the angels eat. Do you know angels ate? I reckon they do. The Bible called it angel's food. Man did eat angel's food. And the Bible said it came down with the dew. And when the dew evaporated, there was this little white thing on the ground. And they could take it and put enough of it together and make, I guess they could make like a flour or a meal or whatever. And they could make their cakes and had something to eat. Well, the Lord told them there in chapter 16, he said, uh, Verse 16, this is the thing that you'll do. You'll go out and gather every man according to his eating. So they gathered it. He that gathered a lot didn't have anything over. He that gathered little had no lack. Everybody had what they needed. Verse 19, Moses said, let no man leave of it till morning. Simple instruction. Don't save it till morning. Don't save it. What does that mean? Eat what you're going to eat. Throw the rest of it out. Don't save it. Everybody say, don't save it. (laughs) Now, what's this test about? Will you do what you're told? Will you follow an instruction? Pride won't. Humility will. Faith will. Who gets the grace? The humble. And so they did. Verse 20, notwithstanding, they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. So they did what? They saved it. He said, don't save it, and what'd they do? Why did they save it? Hmm? 
Why did they save it? Come on, put yourself in their shoes. Why did they save it? Fear would be a reason. There's no food out here. Right? There's no food out here. There's no grocery store. There's no field where you can go pick some more of this. Right? And you're going to throw out what you got left? How did they rationalize this? Well, I know the Lord said, don't save it. You have to justify it some way. But you know, it's just waste. You know the Lord wouldn't want us to waste it. Waste it. Yeah, you just never know what you're going to need tomorrow. What's going to happen? Never. What you'd be saying is we never know if God's going to take care of us tomorrow. We don't know if we can count on him or not. We better save this. God might not show up tomorrow. (laughs) Or people get spiritual about it. Well, I got to praying and I can hear from God myself. And I just feel like the Lord, I know that he said don't save it. And I know that, you know, you shouldn't save yours. (laughs) But I prayed about it. And I got to go ahead in my own spirit (laughs) to save mine. Yeah, yeah, I, I prayed about it, and the Lord said, it'd be all right for you to save yours. <laughs> this kind of thing is happening right and left. People claiming they're hearing from God, and they're an exception to this, an exception to that. And it's nothing in the world but plain old garden variety rebellion and pride. And some kind of reason why I, they're not going to do what they were told. When the Lord says don't save it, (laughs) I don't care if the nearest grocery store is 2,000 miles away and you don't have a scooter. (laughs) If the Lord says don't save it, don't save it. it. So how'd they do on this manna test? Test one. Wasn't the end of it. The Bible said the Lord told them on the Sabbath day He was going to give them twice as much as what they normally got. Then he told them they could save it the night before the Sabbath. And so they did. They saved it that day. Now, how many understand there's no hard and fast rules? People try to make rules about every situation. If somebody comes out with a 10,000 volume encyclopedia of what to do in every situation, don't buy it. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he'll say, don't save it. Sometimes he'll say, save it. Sometimes he'll say, don't give that. Sometimes he'll say, give it. There is no substitute for hearing from him. Now it's going to always be in line with his word. But you can't just make a rule for every situation. You have to hear from him. You got to have a prayer life. Got to talk to him once in a while. Ask him some questions. Check in with the big boss. Ask him what the plan is. <laughs> and then he told them, there's not going to be any for you to gather on the Sabbath. Verse 25, eat what you got. Today's the Sabbath. Today you will not find in the field. Six days you gather it. But on the seventh, it's the Sabbath. In it there shall be none. And basically he told him, he said, stay at the house. Uh, save this. And they did, and it didn't go bad. 
So what's the command? Stay at the house. Stay at the house. Is that complicated? Everybody say that loud. Stay at the house. <laughs> don't go. Don't go. The first one was don't save it. This one's don't go. So what happened? Verse 27. <laughs> I know years ago I was reading some of these things. And I just put the Bible down. I said, Lord, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> he said, it's something, isn't it? They're a lot like you. I thought, no. No. <laughs> and he brought to my attention 1 Corinthians said, they're written for our examples. I thought, no. <laughs> but if you don't put your flesh under You will do the same thing. It may not be concerning manna, but it'll be concerning something else. And it'll be the same thing. He told you to do it, but you changed it. You altered it. You wouldn't do it. It is so simple. Whatever he says to you, do it. And when you do, it sets a series of things in motion that can cause the water to be turned into wine. Miraculous things happen. Go to Deuteronomy 8, please. Deuteronomy 8. Pride is an arguer. Pride is a reasoner. Pride always has a better idea. Always has some explanation. Why are we going to do it different? Humility and faith does what it's told. I know that rubs your flesh the wrong way. All of us got flesh. But if you want to be used of God, if you want to be promoted, you got to pass tests. Phyllis and I were talking about this not too long ago. Looking back over our past 30 years in the ministry, there's been several places I can look back now where I could have missed God. I could have completely missed him concerning his plan for us in our life. Because I was tempted. There were a few situations where I was tempted to put down my stuff and walk. To tell people, no, I don't think that's the way it ought to be done. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you shut your mouth and do what you're told. Was it easy? No. It was tough. There's been a few places in my life that I came and I fell across the bed and I put in a request for a transfer. (laughs) And it came back. Denied. (laughs) The Lord said, you stay there and be faithful. I thought, (laughs) now you're going to find out. Are you going to do what you want to do? That's when a whole lot of people feel led. To do something else. They're led all right. By their pride. By the rebellion. By their hurt feelings. By their anger. And they're claiming it's God. And they're lying about it. The Lord didn't tell them. But they're claiming he did. And people all over the place are jumping out. Of where God put them. Leaving their place. That's why they bounce from place to place to place and are never satisfied and never bearing any fruit and are not growing up. Friends, to get to where God wants you and be used the way he wants you to be, 
You're going to have to pass some tests. Do you believe it or not? You're going to have. Jesus himself, though he were a son, he learned obedience by the things that he was challenged with and suffered. And it's not talking about suffering from the curse of the law. Some of the biggest suffering you'll do is not getting your way. Not getting to do what you want to do. Not getting to do it your way. Is it hard on your flesh? It's death to your flesh. It's, you have to crucify the flesh. Your flesh will scream and cry. And they'll have a thousand reasons why this is not right. This is not right. This is not right. This is not right. <laughs> and you can be a big old baby the rest of your life and never find and do the will of God. Or you can grow up. You can get yourself by the ear and you say, you shut your mouth. And you do what you're told. The Lord told you to do this and you're not just doing it for them. You're doing it because he told you to do it. And you stay where you're stationed. You stay in your place. You're faithful to what you're told to do. Don't don't look to people to promote you and give you what you're needing. Look to God. And believe that no matter what people do or don't do, the Lord is not unrighteous to forget. And he will, in due season, bless you, increase you, add to you, use you. Do you believe it, saints? Man, we've seen it. Phyllis and I have seen it in our own life, other people's lives. Deuteronomy 8, are you there? Deuteronomy 8 and 1. Deuteronomy 8 and 1, he said, All the commandments which I command you this day, what's he expect you to do? You will observe to do them. Why? Yeah, because he said so. But what's his purpose in it? Do you believe he's always got your good? Do you believe it? In mind, when he tells you, well, I wish he'd just explain more to me. Well, he's not. He's a faith God. He's on purpose not going to explain it to you. (laughs) He'll say, do this, and you'll go, why? And you'll hear silence. You're not going to get anything because you know enough to walk by faith. But you should, especially after walking with him for a while and, and obeying him and seeing what he did when you obeyed him, you ought to get to the point where you are convinced he's got my good in mind. Everything he tells me is ultimately for my own good and everybody around me. Can you trust him? He said that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to what? So you could learn humility. And to what? Test you or prove you. Sit out loud. Prove that you may be approved. Say it again. Prove that you may be approved. Approved for what? You can enjoy privileges. I mean, you know, every year as pilots, we have to go to school and pass tests. Or your license is not active and legal. And, you know, we got church in Branson. We got church here. 
Uh, we do meetings all over the country and other places, and we got a little airplane. And the tests are not always fun. They can be very challenging. But it's so good. I mean, recently I finished my yearly training on this particular thing, and I came home, I got my certificate, I got it all updated and everything. All of it wasn't fun, but it is so nice when I need to go to Branson to go out there and push those buttons and take off. I'm approved to do it. I got privileges. I had to pass tests, but the tests are well worth the effort for the benefit you get out of it. Do you believe passing God's tests will be well worth any effort or obedience because you're going to be approved and you'll have privileges, things that you can do that maybe not everybody else can do because you pass tests that not everybody pass. He said that he may prove you. To know what was in your heart. What shows your heart? Whether you would keep his commandments or no. Uh, People don't like to think it. But whether you'll do what you're told or not. Shows your heart. It's not just some little trivial deal. When you won't keep a simple instruction. When you've always got. 50 reasons why you had a better idea. It is not trivial. It is not just different points on things. It shows you got heart problems. Serious ones. Things that can disqualify you from God's plan for your life. I'm not overstating it. Those guys in the wilderness that failed the manna test. They kept failing tests. Test after test. They just refused to do what he told them to do. What happened to them? They all died out there in the desert. That wasn't the plan of God. He already had the promised land for them. A land that flows with milk and honey. A couple of guys did pass the test. Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they did what they were told. And they were ready to do what they were told. And they finally went in. Does it make any difference? Rebellion and disobedience and being hard-headed and stubborn will ruin your life. It is no small thing. It will ruin your life. It's one of the more challenging things in ministry that Phyllis and I have seen. Thank God not too many, but there's been a few people. I'm thinking of one right now. Uh, Man, God did so many good things for them. Brought them from the, the ditch and blessed them and were helping them. And they got to a certain place in their life and we said, you know, you ought to do this and the Lord's leading this way and they looked at us and said I'm not going to do it oh man when they said it my heart sank and it wasn't because they were being disrespectful to me they were but that ain't the big thing I care about them and I'm thinking oh no don't don't do this don't do this and they got uppity and attitude and they said well I ain't doing it and they didn't do it and oh man off the cliff down 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 Back in some of the same stuff we're delivered from. Rebellion will ruin your life. How many would say, I'm not going to be rebellious? I refuse to be stubborn and disobedient. It's devilish. I will humble myself. I will do what I'm told. I will trust God and obey willingly. And I will eat the good of the land. 
Do you believe it, saints? Why did he do this? He said, uh, to prove them, to know what's in their heart, whether they'll do what I told them or not. Verse 16, why is he this way? said, he fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you. And what else? That he might prove you, test so that you might be approved. Why? Why? To do you good at your latter end. Why? When you pass the test, it gives him a right. It gives him a right to do things for you. That other people don't get. Do you trust that God has your best interest? He's he's looking out for you. You will not be able to see it. Time after time. He will lead you to do things. And be involved in things. And commit to things. And it won't be easy. And there's some things that will rub your flesh the wrong way. And you will not get your way. And you'll have a choice. You're going to get mad. And say your peace and bail. Or you're going to bite your lip and, and do what you're told. Gladly. With a right heart. Because if you let bitterness stew in you, it ain't going to work. It's going to come up again and, and you're going to bail eventually. You just prolonged your jumping ship. That's all you did. But if you will submit, if you will obey... If you'll trust him, you won't be able to see it. But in the process of time, doors will open for you. People will get you on their heart. And they'll want to do things for you. Opportunities will come. New abilities will come into your life. You'll have miracles that other people don't have. And it may take 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. But eventually you'll look back. To those uncomfortable places. And you'll go. Oh thank God I didn't jump ship. Thank God you helped me to obey. And and, and stick and listen to you. Because you had my good in mind. Back there. You had me on a track. Do you believe it saints? You had me on a path. And you had my good in mind. All the time. Can you say amen saints? Stand up on your feet and say I trust you Lord. Oh thank you Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.